that Mitchell and Webb signed, starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb with Olivia Coleman and James Barton. Hello, IT help desk. Ah, oh, hello. I've got broadband, but I'm having a bit of trouble getting on the internet. Oh, I see. Um, well, can you tell me what's on your screen at the moment? Yeah, uh, just blobs. Blobs and lines. Right, well, you need to restart. Um, do you know where the restart button is? On the keyboard? Yep, could be. Uh, might be on the left-hand side of the keyboard. OK, what, what colour is it? What? What colour key is it? Well, same as the others. Uh, right, got it. Now press that. OK. There you go. Nothing's happening. Still frozen? Yeah. OK, have you tried Control-Alt-Delete? No. Well, try pressing those three keys all at once. Which ones are... Well, it should say... Oh, oh hang on. <laughs> uh, no difference, still blobs. Blobs and lines. Right, OK. <laughs> have, you, have you got a mouse? Do you mean a pedal? No. Then no. <laughs> Okay, and can I ask, these blobs and lines on the screen, are they somehow a bit, sort of, on paper? Well, it's a paper screen, if that's what you mean. Is it? Yes. And can you tell me what make of screen it is? Uh, Mozart. I think maybe what you've got there is a piano. That seems very unlikely. I know. But tell me, are you the sort of idiot who can't tell the difference between a computer and a piano? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. Let me just ask. Uh, Anne! Anne! I'm not here. Yes, I am. And tell me, do you have a piano in the house? Yes, Adele. Well, my advice is go and sit at the piano, and if you have any more trouble getting on the internet, ring the piano tuner. You've been a great help. Hello, and it turns out they've recommissioned Imagine That. Imagine That. Well, someone did, and here we all are. <laughs> Joining me, as always, are some of the finest imaginations in existence and the heads and bodies that surround them, the journalist and broadcaster, Mark Kendall. Good evening. The author, June Faulkner. Good evening. And head of physics at University College London, Professor David Trussell. I think this programme detracts from my credentials as a serious scientist. <laughs> it's good evening. Good evening. Thank you. <laughs> Our first question tonight comes from the entire village of Little Chimpington in Wiltshire, and it's this. Can the panel imagine what it would be like to be a teenager again? Mark Kendall? No. <laughs> June Faulkner? First off, I'd wear a right cool hoodie. I'd have an iPod stacked full of fat tunes, and I'd probably carry some kind of shiv or shank made out of a biro and my mother's old gardening trowel. And if someone dissed me, which has its etymological roots in the word disrespected, I believe, I'd probably stab them up good and ting. <laughs> Professor Trussell? Well, I can imagine that I would be tall and not spotty and really good at sport and fighting and I'd have pubes, proper ones, not just one or two, and I'd talk to girls this time. And, and, in, and instead of physics, I'd probably study nobbing. <laughs> Ninety-nine, please. Certainly, sir. Passes the flakes, death. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Got any raspberry sauce? Allow me. No, death, don't! Oh, thanks. <coughs> Not again! Drive! 
Well, Death, I've been looking at the accounts and it's not good. Mm. As far as I can see, there are two major problems with our business model. Go on. Number one, ice cream sales are highly seasonal. Yes. And number two, you know what I'm going to say. Is it the killing? <laughs> yes, it's the killing. Mm. We could try doing burgers. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. It could help extend the selling season, but will you still be killing people? Mm, probably, yes. You see, until we address that, I don't think introducing new product ranges will make much difference. Mm. Ken, do you regret going into business with me? No, no, not at all. I just think we need to tweak the way we operate a teensy bit. Hmm. Hot dogs, they're very popular. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> hey, do you want to come to a cheese exhibition with me? Yeah, I'd like that, because I really love cheese. Oh, that's great. If you jump in my car, I'll give you a lift there. Oh, I can't do that now. I hate cars. Do you love cheese and hate cars? <laughs> then you'll enjoy Car Hate Cheese Love. The new magazine for car-hating cheese lovers everywhere. This week, ten reasons why Stilton is far better than a Ford Cortina. Twelve reasons why a Vauxhall Astra is not as good as Brie. Plus, the top 50 cheeses and the bottom 50 cars. All this and more from Incredibly Specific Publications Publishing. We guarantee that you'll be the only person who buys our product. Now, this is all on me, so please order whatever you want. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, gosh, oh. <laughs> look at me. I nearly knocked my wine over. It's not like me. I'm just a little bit nervous, that's all. Oh, don't, don't worry. I, I feel exactly the same. I've been out of the dating game for a very long time. It's scary, isn't it? I came out of a big relationship a little while ago, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, what about you? It's work, really. Uh, I've just been swamped. I'm, I'm away a lot, and it wouldn't really be fair on the other person, so... Right, right. What do you do? Well, uh, I'm sorry to say, for my sins, I'm a Colombian drug warlord. <laughs> I say, I say Colombian, I mean, I'm from Chiswick, but I, I work mainly in Colombia. Oh. And what's that like? Oh, it's sunny, but it can get very humid, so you've got to have good air con. I, I meant the... Um... Oh, uh, uh, the, uh, the warlording. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've never, never met a warlord before. Oh, right. Well, we're a bit of a dying breed, but, uh, I mean, it sounds glamorous, but really all it is is we produce and export an enormous amount of cocaine and heroin, mainly to the US market, slaughtering anyone who gets in our way with a private militia group, and essentially I oversee that from my... Uh, well, it's a palace. I mean, I want to get out of it, really. I'll, I'll, I'll probably stay in the drugs industry. You know, the margins are really quite good, but, um, but just less warlording. Um, are you all right with that? Some people are a bit put off by it. Oh, no, well, we're all just making a living, aren't we? Who am I to judge? Oh, it's so refreshing. Um, I really haven't seen this kind of attitude since, well, since my wife. You were married? Yes, here's a photo. Oh, isn't she beautiful? Yes, she was. She, she looks a bit bullety. Mm. Yes, that... That was the last time I saw her. Anyway, uh, there's me blathering on. What do you do? Florist. Right, interesting. So many poppies. <laughs> not, 
not really, no. I could probably get you some cheap, that's all. <laughs> Welcome to Big Celebrity Fame Zeppelin. This exclusive new reality's biggest new format show. Day two in the Zeppelin and the lines are already open. The numbers are on your screen. If you'd like to call in, please call this number. If you wouldn't like to call in, please call this number. If you're unsure, please text not sure space. That's space the word followed by space to any of the following numbers. Lines are now closed. It's a big day in the Zeppelin. All eight contestants are sitting on chairs. We've removed the chairs and replaced them with slightly less comfortable chairs. Let's check the reaction. Are these chairs different? <laughs> the original chairs have been returned, but we've swiveled the rug and removed Peter. He's in a similar room to this one next door. Let's check the reaction. Hasn't noticed. The room's too similar. Put him back and give them all biscuits, but each other's private biscuits. They're bound to kick up a fuss about that. No, they're fine about it. Lock all the doors. Please text in if you'd like the doors unlocked. That's happened. Release the ghost. There it is. That's been removed. In goes the ghost. Exorcise it. Summon the ghost of a goat. There it is. No real reaction. They ain't afraid of no goats. Are you? Call in. Calls cost 40p, 50p, 10p, 20p, 70p, 60p. Send in a check. Lines are closed. The result of the vote. We're turning off gravity. Gravity is off, but we've also glued everything to the floor, so no real difference there. Hold on. Philip's hair's gone up. Gravity's back on. Let's turn the lights off. Let's make everyone invisible. That's the wrong way round. Remember, this time you're voting for who is the least person you wouldn't like to not unsee again. <laughs> lines are open, lines are closed, lights are on. Let's go to the diary room. I mean, for me, I'm just like being myself. Let's go to the dairy room. <laughs> Send in the burglar. In he goes. He's been arrested. Convert everyone to Hinduism. Apart from the Hindu, we'll convert him to Euros. Let's go to the diary room. Replace the diary room with Sky. <laughs> Let's make them all evolve slightly. Let's make them all revolve slightly. Let's make them all evolve slightly. Gary Rhodes has gone in. No help. Replace Gary Rhodes with the Colossus of Rhodes. Light it. Give one of them a bean. Confiscate it. They don't know what to do with that. They miss the bean. Let's go to the diary room. We really miss the bean. And bingo the raptors. Carnage. Extinct them. Clone them. Charge an entrance fee. Lines are closed. To replace the programme with bees, please text EM Forster to the number on your hand. Can I help you? Uh, yes, it's my daughter. We need to get her brad. Uh, it's okay. It's okay, Jenny. No need to look mortified. Uh, coming with your dad to buy your first bra needn't be an embarrassing or awkward situation for either of us. It's quite touching, if anything. Okay, then, love. Have you had a look around? <laughs> look at that face. You can tell she's becoming a woman, can't you? Especially since her mother left us to rot. <laughs> Um, is your first bra? Yes, it is, indeed. They, they virtually popped out of nowhere. Uh, why don't you have a look and see if there's anything you like? Great idea. Don't be afraid, Poppet. We just have to deal with these things with poise and dignity and just keep remembering to blame it all on your screaming harlot of a mother. What about this one? Hang on, let's not rush into this. If this is going to be a success, we have to be very careful. Come on, Buttercup, how big are they? Oh. Why don't you let me take things from here? What do you say? I'm out of my depth or something? That I can't cope with the unbearable loneliness? What? I've seen breasts before, you know. My ex-wife had a pair, took them with her. They live with Uncle Philip now, don't they, sweetheart? Now, um, have you been measured before? No? Well, just hold your arms out for a mo. I blame this government. They positively encourage broken homes. And apparently I didn't satisfy any of her carnal needs. There! Uh, now, if you, if you want to pop into the changing rooms and just let me know how this one feels. Thanks for that. It's okay. No, really. Thanks. No, really, it's okay. No, really. Really, thanks. <laughs> I just don't want it to pinch. Oh. <laughs> Let's get you over to the cardigans. 
And for those of you who've just joined us, the Prime Minister has announced that the election will be before the end of June. We turn now to our when the election is going to be expert, Philip Bartram. Phil, when will the election be? Well, Mike, from what the Prime Minister says, I think we can be confident that it will be before the end of June. Uh, If it's after June, say July or even August, then the Prime Minister will have broken his word, and my sources tell me he's very keen to avoid that. On the other hand, if it's any earlier than April the 27th, it will be before now, and I don't think that's very likely. I certainly don't remember it happening. Can you be any more specific than that, Phil? Not really, Mike, no. It's simply too early to speculate on the precise day. It could be May the 23rd, for instance, but that's just speculation. It could be the 12th of June, but that's just speculation, and so on. It's simply too early to speculate. Well, breaking news. While we've been talking, the Prime Minister has been forced to clarify his remarks, and he's just announced the election will in fact be on May the 3rd. Phil, when do you think it'll be now? Well, frankly, it's simply too late to speculate. Uh, He's told us the actual day now, so any speculation is futile. Right, so so it was futile to speculate before we knew when it was, and it's futile to speculate after we know when it is. That's about the size of it, Mike, yes. (laughs) 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 Gentlemen, gentlemen, if I could have your attention, please. Thank you. First of all, I'd like to thank you for joining me here in the Reform Club circa 1886 and specifically in the big science for God and Queen Victoria room. Not at all. What have you got to show us today? Gentlemen, we can all agree that with Mr Bell's recent invention of the telephone, the world of communication has taken a giant step forward. Yet I have taken a gargantuan step beyond that. Would we say that gargantuan is bigger than giant? Yes, much bigger. Imagine if the telephone was no longer confined to the hallway or a domestic home or the oak desk of a ministerial office. Imagine if, instead, one could carry one's telephone about one's person and have the benefit of instant communication when and where one chose. Oh, it's ludicrous. Insanity. Can't be done. The man's a crackpot. I do, Jimmy, should I hear I give you the world's first transportable telecommunicatory devicelment, or mobilephone, for short. <laughs> Behold the future. Good Lord, man, that is impressive. Yes, the device is sheathed in fully 80 pounds of wood in the form of this beautiful hand-carved mahogany cabinet complete with four brass-clad carrying handles. And it's man-portable, you say? Well, it's men-portable. Specifically, four strong men or 10 to 15 weak men. And, and they would carry the device wherever the owner went. Followed by the vast retinue of cable layers. Each device will come with 19 miles of four-inch thick copper cable, which connects to the exchange. Well, this is certainly interesting. It's more than that, sir. With the recent invention of the box brownie, I intend to attach a camera to each device. <laughs> One click of a button, two or three minutes of utter stillness by the subject... <laughs> a complicated development process later and people will be able to send what I call a photo message. Oh, and also you can download porn onto it. And how much money do you require? £2,000. Insane! That's a sum doesn't exist. That's more money than the Bank of England possesses. All right, say £500 and a small boy to experiment on. What sort of experiments? Oh, I don't know. Science. Let us discuss the matter. Bad idea. Never catch on. Should be put in a hole. The matter is decided. I'm afraid we shall not be investing in your crazed scheme. 
But the idea is flawed, the science is flawed, and luckily this room is flawed, otherwise we shall fall through to the atrium below. <laughs> Very well, gentlemen, I am perhaps ahead of my time, but mark my words, within a hundred years each town will have one of these devices. Good day to you, gentlemen. Good day, Professor Vodafone. <laughs> Did you see in the paper that someone's designed a new type of tap? Oh, really? Look, a chicken. Whatever. Do you not mind about chickens <laughs> and not care much either way about taps? Then you need Chicken Ambivalence Tap Ambivalence. <laughs> the new magazine for those who are ambivalent about both chickens and taps. In this week's issue, a series of articles neither praising chickens and taps nor criticising them. Including why chickens are okay, I guess. And why taps are basically fine, if you think about it. Plus, a picture of a chicken on a tap for you not to be interested in. New chicken ambivalence, tap ambivalence. There's no need to actually buy it. It's been three months since the people of Finland, in a radical socio-political experiment, voted in a referendum to replace their parliament and entire legislative system with a lunatic in a box. <laughs> Lars Overland is the senior civil servant charged with overseeing the project. L Lars, tell us how it's been working. Well, initially we were saying, uh, you know, I expect we'll get a hell of a lot more sense out of a lunatic in a box than we did out of <laughs> 600 politicians. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's been a disaster. <laughs> Shut up! It's, uh, it's like this all day. He's really crazy, you know. They weren't kidding. Well, what problems have you been facing? Well, I don't know where to start, really. I mean, uh, we've got all this legislation pending. You know, health and safety provisions need updating. We need to increase army pay in line with inflation. Stack of treaties need ratifying. And we're, we're literally supposed to do all that with this madman in a box. Is he not getting through it? He hasn't done any of it. Like, we give him paperwork. It comes back with teeth marks all over it. I try to prompt him, you know, one bash to increase fishing quotas, two bashes to keep it the same, and he just goes, bash, 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 bash. It makes no sense. <laughs> oh, 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 okay, finally, fingers crossed, the health insurance legislation has got through committee stage. Oh, you idiot! This isn't legislation. This is a sock soaked in urine. <laughs> were you personally in favour of the idea? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, um, there were people back then asking questions like, you know, how's this going to work? And I actually said... <laughs> Shut up, Eric! I said to the EU Commission, you know, ten years from now, guys, you'll all be running your countries with a lunatic in a box, yeah? And the whole of the European Parliament may be two depressed women in a bath. And now I'd be very surprised if that happened. Hi, David. What you got there? Well, I've been trying to trace my family tree, you know, through one of those special agencies. Oh, yeah? Anything interesting? Well, I didn't expect much, what with them being reasonably priced, but, mm -hmm. uh, turns out my great-granddad was Hitler. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Yes, it's all come as a bit of a shock. I mean, how can you be sure? Well, I, I never knew my father's father. He died way before I was born, but Dad always used to say something about him being a bit of a git. Right. I'm not surprised you kept that one quiet. Bit of a conversation killer, isn't it? You're telling me. You know, my mum always said I had a tendency to dominate. Now I know why. Mm. And you are good at art and hating everyone different from yourself. <laughs> yeah, guess, guess it's in the genes. Anyway, are you coming up for a drink later? No, thanks. I have plans. <laughs> so many plans. <laughs>
what is music? An oboe? Yes. How about a rock and roll band? Certainly. But what about other things? How about a horse being kicked in the testicles? <laughs> I'm Professor Cruel, and I'm going to show you that, thanks to modern sampling technology, anything can be music. In fact, that's the title of the show. Anything can be music. Anything can be music. Anything can be music, you bastard. Would you believe that that wasn't a professional singer? No, it was a prisoner I visited, and he agreed to help out with the theme. Listen. No, I'm not saying the title of your radio show. Which radio show? Your Anything Could Be Music show. That'll do nicely. I'll cut you, you bastard. But it isn't just prisoners who are music. Anything can be music. A boy begging not to be caned. Please, sir, no. A guinea pig realising it's about to be put down. A middle-class family separated in a cave system. Julia, are the girls with you? And remember our friend, the horse? <laughs> now, individually, these may seem like noises, but put them together... Please, sir, no. Julia, are the girls with you? Please, sir, no. Julia, please, sir, Julia, please, sir. the girls with you? No, no, no. No. Julia, no. Julia, no. Julia, no. Julia, no. See? Anything can be music. Tune in next week when we'll be talking about pets and percussion. Hello, Muriel. I, I'm just calling. Sorry it's so late. Just seen a time. And Anyway, I'm, I'm sitting by the river by Big Ben and it's really nice here. And I, I suppose I'm thinking of you and I, I thought I'd give you a call. It's half past one in the morning, so you're probably asleep. But, but give me a call if you're up and uh, that, that, that's it, really. Oh, it's, it's Tom, by the way. Tom Gambon, who you met at Cassie's. So. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to ring off now, but that doesn't make a noise. There, I've rung off. Hum. Hello, sir. Please, sir. What? Who's there? Down here. Flip-flap. Down where? You're up very late, sir. A tiny baby seal. <laughs> yes. Not just any baby seal, though. I am Asbo Zabruda, the magic baby seal. I appear whenever the moon is full and a man alone to give him texting advice. <laughs> Please do not club me to death. I wasn't going to. You have spared me! Hooray! And for that kind, sir, I shall win you the love of this Muriel with my texting advice. Texting advice? Yes. OK, what should I do? Yes, I think you should text her. Flip-flap. Well, I, well I, I have just called her. Yes, yes. And now you should text her that exact same message again that you left. Really? Yes, word for word. <laughs> OK, if, if you say so. Um, hello, Muriel. Spell it wrong. 
What? Spell her name wrong, like in a funny way, like moo moomsy, um mural murally. Put murally. I uh, okay. Hello, mural. It's not recognizing what? it. Predictive text. Hang on. And now. Hang on. And now also spell every third word wrong as well to make it to make it funny. Flip flap. Okay. <laughs> okay. This might this might take a bit of. Um... And, and like your Cornish. It's, it's just with. It's just with the predictive text. It all might take quite long. Ah, but I'm the magic baby seal. Hold tight, Zabruda. <laughs> It's four o'clock in the morning. Yes, now read what you have written. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hello, Murally. Sorry it be so late. I'm just a sitting by old Father Thumbs, a thinking a use. You probably a slip, though. Giz a call if you're up. Bye, bye, bye. Tom brackets, Gambon brackets, brackets from Cassie's brackets, brackets, brackets. And put a kiss. Right, and, and a smiley? God, no. <laughs> this is all excellent, Asbo. Thank you. Let's have a look. OK, hop onto my shoulder. Flip, flap, flip, flap, flap, flap. Ooh, I know what it needs now. Yes. Instead of calling her murally, call her something like a body part, like something about her body, like Miss Lovely Chestnut Hair or Boobzilla. <laughs> Right. And also, threaten her. Like, a jokey threat. Like, you're completely in charge. Yes, yes, excellent. Yeah, Zapruda! 5.30 in the morning. Wow, OK, let's see what I've written. Don't bother, it's fine. You mustn't dwell. OK. Now, send it. There. There, it's sent, and it didn't make a noise, but then they don't. Now, sir, how do you feel? Asbo, I feel great. Oh, no, hang on, that feeling's suddenly gone, and now I feel wretched. Stop! What? Mummy! Now, Asbo, I don't think that gentleman wants you on his shoulder, does he? Mummy, Mummy, I've been helping the man. Yes, yes, he has. We've been texting. Oh, Asbo, you're a very naughty baby seal, and that man is an idiot. Come away from him. <laughs> But... Come on, Asbel. Mrs. Zapruder, don't take him! Who will advise me now? Oh, well, maybe I should just call her again. Wait, perhaps Muriel lives with her parents, no? <laughs> Who said that? A heron! <laughs> That's just been sick on me! Tom Gambon, I am Maurice Pang, and that is magic heron vomit. Now, go wake Muriel's parents up and ask to use their bath. Hooray! <laughs> that Mitchell and Webb sound starred David Mitchell, Robert Webb, Olivia Coleman, and James Barkman. It was written by David Mitchell, Robert Webb, Chris Reddy, James Barkman and Mark Evans, Toby Davis and Chris Pell, Dan Hobson and John Bridal, Simon Kane, and John Finnemore. The producer was Gareth Edwards. <laughs>